Friends, welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast. It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. My name is Tim Fulton. I'm the founder and chief evangelist for Small Business Matters. I'm your host for today's podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Fulton, the director of marketing for Small Business Matters. Taylor, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You've had a pretty exciting week. Taylor, do you mind sharing with our listeners what has gone on this week? I have, yeah. So about two years ago, I bought Final Four tickets to Atlanta for the college basketball tournament. And unfortunately, because of the pandemic, it got canceled. And then a year ago, we got told that we were not special enough to come to the Indianapolis bubble for the 2021 Final Four. So we rolled it over to this year, which was in fabulous New Orleans. And what made it super special is that I am a University of Kansas alum, and my Jayhawks won the national championship this past Monday. So it's been a a week full of celebration and lack of sleep, but glad to be back in Atlanta and uh, on the podcast today. Well, it has been an exciting week. Very pleased for you and your your bride. And I'm sure we could spend our entire podcast today talking about <laughs> your exploits in New Orleans, but we have a we have better use, better use of our time today. That's right. Like, Taylor, I'm really pleased that we have Aviva Wolmer with us today as our as our guest. And I'll introduce Aviva and then we'll get right into our podcast. Aviva grew up in Atlanta. She attended uh, Florida Atlantic University down in South Florida and got her undergraduate degree in criminal science. And then she went to law school at University of Baltimore. She practiced law for a short period of time. And then she joined family business, Pace Setter Steel, worked her way up through the executive ranks and served as CEO of that company for 10 years with great success. She earned uh, several different awards while she was the CEO of Pace Setter. She then retired and went out on her own, formed her own consulting practice and power leadership, um, and she became a Vistage chair, and that's how I've gotten to know Aviva. She became a chair a year and a half ago, has two Vistage groups. Uh, She also has her own podcast, Beyond the Comfort Zone, and it was a pleasure to be on her podcast about a month ago. Aviva's married. She has a young son, has a dog, and maybe the little-known fact about Aviva is that she is a huge Braves fan. And given that Braves season kicks off tonight, I'm sure she's very excited about that. Aviva, welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Um, It's a pleasure to be on your show and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Fantastic. Well, Aviva, we always start off with the same question for each of our guests to kick off the podcast. And that question for you is, what do you? What is it that you do that matters most to small business? As a Vistage chair, I'm an executive coach, as well as um, I lead peer groups for all size businesses, not just small businesses. But I work with a lot of small business leaders on helping to identify what's holding them back in their business from achieving their goals. Their goals may be to scale. It may just to be to improve profits. So I get to work with a variety of business leaders and figure out what their limiting beliefs are, what's holding them back and helping them achieve their dreams and goals. Excellent. Excellent. And tell us a little bit about your career. How did you get to where you are today? So my career is an interesting one, as you kind of highlighted in my bio up front. Um, I was going to be a criminal defense lawyer for juveniles. That was the plan. And that's the course I started on. I'd been in the family business on and off throughout my life, but 
I had no intention of entering the family business long-term. And yet while I was awaiting my bar results, I went back to do one final project because as a family business, the employees, the team members, they were my family. And so I wanted to do something meaningful for them. And so I came back literally just to instill the university um, and put learning and development programming in place. That would be kind of my legacy and gift back to the company that had been there for me all my life. And a very strange and unique thing happened. I never wanted to be known as my father's daughter. The core reason, honestly, that I didn't want to enter the family business. But I asked for something that I only got approved because I was my father's daughter. And that was to interview every single associate. There were 150 people. And the directors and executives looked at me like I was crazy. But they said yes. And so I did. And I spent a couple hours one-on-one with every single team member at Paysetter. Um, And my questions were very focused on learning and development. And what happened is they told me everything that they saw that needed to be changed in the company. We got so far on tangents from learning and development, but it changed everything because I then saw a way I could make an impact. They were opening up to me for whatever reason, they were picking me. And so I went back to the team, the executive team, um, after I did all these interviews and I said, you guys realize that 50% of your associates are saying X and 80% are saying Y? what are you guys doing about these things? And it put me in a unique position where I got put in charge of strategic planning, fresh out of law school, no business background, no clue what I was doing, partnered with a business coach who did strategic planning to lead the team in strategic planning. And I learned a lot real fast. And that business coach is the person who saw in me that I could be a leader and said, why wouldn't you stay in the family business? And he challenged me like every great coach does and uh, identified that that's really what I wanted. And it's really what my dad wanted and facilitated those dialogues. And that's how I honestly entered the path to becoming a vice president and executive vice president and sales leader and all the things that eventually got me to a CEO. I was only CEO for five years. Um, I was there a total of 10. So just to make sure we're crystal clear on timeline. But um, that led me to that. And when I eventually left doing that to start my own business, COVID changed my plans. In quick version, my business model no longer made sense in a world with COVID. And after six months, I made the right decision not to go forward. I had been a Vistage member for six years and my chair and others were encouraging me to become a chair. They saw it in me and uh, they were right. I just didn't realize it until I listened to them. (laughs) So that's how I got where I am today. So business leader turned executive coach and Vistage chair. Yeah, that's that's a great story, and I think one that is is probably not so uncommon. Although not not everyone goes into Vistage. I'm, I'm curious as you moved up the ranks at your family company, when you were in the CEO position, what's one thing that you learned uh, that that nobody told you when you were taking the job? And I think because so many executives they aspire to get to that role eventually. I'm curious what you learned that you could share that that maybe people don't know. I don't think anyone ever told me it was as lonely as it is at the top. Ah. I came from a family organization. I went to events with these people my entire life. We would have, we had our peace awards annually and we'd go out after for happy hour, all these things. And all of a sudden, like I couldn't just be that same person anymore. It was different once I was leading and I had to recognize those differences, still have everybody as friends, but it was still different. Is that something you learn and you grow with? Or is that something that's always sort of just an, an odd thing about the job? I think it's an odd thing as people move up in companies that they don't realize 
having experienced that myself, every time I promoted someone or was developing someone for a promotion, that was a part of the dialogue. Your life will shift and change as you move into an executive role. You won't be able to do all the things that you used to do. You will wonder when people give you suggestions, are they looking out for themselves? Are they looking out for, you know, the company? So it helped me coach others as I led and developed others, but it kind of shapes you. You just don't realize. You got to think about where advice is coming from and why. Aviva, family businesses are very unique in terms of how they operate and in many cases very different than traditional businesses. And for maybe many of our listeners listeners who have not worked in a family business, they may not understand some of those dynamics. Talk a little bit about family business and your experience with a family business and, and what's different, what's unique from your perspective about a family business. Yeah. And a little bit of this actually goes to something I probably should have said in the answer to the last question too, which is, by the way, my team was not nefarious. Like I had the, one of the best executive teams ever. Um, and I think everyone was always thinking they were looking out for the best things, but they weren't necessarily. And I think in a family business, that dynamic's even harder because you are dealing with family members or people who have been, you know, we had associates with us 25, 30 years, right? They're family. Like I'm, you know, I went to however many funerals and weddings and, you know, just events of people. So I think that is a dynamic in a family business that's very different because you are close to people and it's harder to make some of the tough decisions and have some of the tough conversations um, that need to be had to make the business an effective business. And you have to find a way to do both. Still keep the family culture and, you know, have a performance culture, you know, make sure the company is doing well to take care of everybody. So when you when you first stepped into Vistage before you were the coach, now you're you're the CEO and you're stepping into Vistage. What what led you to do that and uh, and why? That was simple. I was becoming a CEO and I knew that I didn't know what I didn't know and I knew I didn't know a lot. So I better <laughs> find some resources and support to uh, help me with that. I felt very in over my head, but I knew it was the right thing to do for the company um, and where we were going. So I needed to surround myself with people who knew things I didn't know. And so I sought Vistage out. A lot of people come to Vistage because someone calls them and tells them about it. In my case, I found Vistage and said, I need something like this. And I'm sure we'll talk more about peer groups with you as a coach, but as a, as a CEO, what are some of the, the values and benefits that it, it brought you as a, as a new CEO? It was huge. I can give you a couple really concrete examples. So one, a lot of the ideas that I brought into the business, they were never uniquely mine. They were things that honestly, most often I heard from a Vistage speaker or another Vistage member that I said, you know, I'm a firm believer of the philosophy, take what you like and leave the rest. So I listened to a lot of things, be it speakers and people, and I took what I like and I left the rest on the table. And then I took what I look and figured out how it fit in to the picture at Paysetter, right? And it's my leadership. So I got tons of ideas from it. Honestly, the way I led the company, ran the company, best example. So before I joined Vistage, I went to an Atlantic's Vistage Executive Summit. We have one coming up this year on the 23rd of August. I was a guest and there was a speaker, Cameron Harold, that spoke. And he spoke on the vivid vision. This was three weeks before I got promoted to being CEO. And I went, oh my gosh, that's what I need. The first question everybody's going to ask me when I become a CEO is, what's your vision and how is it different than your father's? And I said, this is it. So I literally reached out to Cameron Harold and said, how do I put one of these things together in three weeks? I want to hand them out the day I'm you know, promoted. 
And we had this big party that I was promoted at. And by the way, I had nice printed vivid vision brochures that were clearly my vision laid out, worked out because of Vistage that were my basically entryway into CEO for the company. It was the first thing everybody saw and knew was Aviva's vision. And it became... It only happened because I saw Cameron Harold. So that's probably the best example I can give. It started my career as a CEO. But so I integrated lots of ideas along the way, ways I led, ways we did things. Another great example is the group itself and how they helped me. Um, we entered into a joint venture with the Japanese company. It took three years to negotiate the agreement. And without saying too much, I'm public on a broadcast, but you know, it was a long negotiation. And the really cool thing about it is month after month, you get to process issues when you go to your Vistage group and ask for help and advice on things. And so I was able to go to my group and say, this is the part we're working on right now. What am I not thinking of? Um, what should, what questions should I be asking as we continue to negotiate this deal? So over a matter of a couple of years that this deal was negotiated, I probably came up five, six times at Vistage meetings as my issue, getting new tidbits of information and ideas from a hand, about 15 other CEOs that I took their feedback. So the company didn't negotiate with me and my executive team. They negotiated with me, my executive team, and 15 other CEOs that were behind me that they didn't know existed. And honestly, what I'll tell you is I don't think the joint venture would have even ever occurred because I was so in over my head with an international joint venture and our first entry into any M&A that it probably would have gone for a month or two. And then again, I don't know what to do with this. But my group introduced me to an international attorney. A lot of other resources told me where to go learn about Japanese culture, right? Like all these things that I didn't know that would have shut it down within a month or two turned it into an incredible opportunity for the business. Um, and I learned a ton about M&A and other things in the process. And I just had no experience there. Um, so it's an opportunity that wouldn't have existed but for Vistage. So Aviva, you take on the role of, of CEO. How would you describe your your role as the as the leader of the company, what did you feel like you were responsible for? What was your role? My role was to provide the vision and the direction and then to provide the tools and the resources to the team to help them figure it out. So that was really the focus. Be very clear on where we were going, helping everybody have the right conversations to figure out the how to get there and to put the plans together and to make sure they had what they needed to execute. And did that change over time? Did that evolve over time? It did. It became clear for me what that meant and how to do that over time. So for example, putting better systems, structure processes in place, we eventually implemented EOS to help really put a system in place to put the accountability and the process of actually running the business. So I learned more tools along the way, which shifted the way I led along the way, I think is maybe the better way to say that. So transitioning to, to Vistage, what made you want to transition from a well CEO? You kind of started your own company and then shifted into Vistage coaching. Uh, tell us, tell us why you wanted to go in that direction. So I never really left Vistage. I stayed a member while I was starting my own business. It was that meaningful to me. I wanted. I was never going to leave my group. Um, mm-hmm. And when I realized that the business model no longer made sense. That was challenging for me because I had had this whole plan. I was leaving out and I was doing this very set thing. Um, I really had to rethink because here I was, never expected to just kind of, after being in a family business for 10 years, to be on my own having to think about my career. (laughs) And so I reached out to 
all these resources at my disposal. A lot of them were in my network because of Vistage over the years and just started talking about, you know, what do I want to do next? What should be things I was thinking through? I started looking at businesses to buy, explored several businesses to purchase. That's kind of the route I thought I was going. Looked at some jobs as a CEO level. I didn't think it was right to go back to a family business. I've been six months. The pandemic was now in full force. You don't shift leadership in teams like that. In a normal case, definitely not in the world of COVID. So that wasn't... People often ask, well, why didn't you just go back? It wouldn't have been the right thing to do for the company. And so you know, having several people from Vistage tell me, have you ever thought about being a chair? My, my old chair told me that. A speaker told me that. It just started kind of penetrating my mind. And the, my first gut response, because I have a heavy dose of imposter syndrome in my life, is... I'm not qualified to do that. Why would they want me as a chair? And I said that, frankly, a couple of times. And then finally, after enough people mentioned it and said, really, I reached out to my old chair and I said, okay, so what does this actually look like? (laughs) And so then I reached out to Vistage and started the process and really explored it. I realized it was the perfect thing for me. I just, I didn't even know it was an opportunity for me to explore. And the reason it's so perfect is my favorite part of being a CEO was the leadership development piece. I loved coaching and developing others. And I loved talking business strategy. And as a chair, that's what you get to do all day long. The added piece that I didn't know about that you get to do it as a chair that I love, and I would have never thought I would have loved, is playing a connector role. So by talking in the process of recruiting for the group, I talk to business leaders all day long, many of which are not right for a group or have no interest. But I find ways to help and give and connect people in the business community here in Atlanta and it's just an amazing piece that I never understood and that I love to do. And now you've got two Vistage groups in, in a year and a half, which is almost unheard of in, in the Vistage world. It's, it's fantastic. I want to come back, though, because you said you dropped something in the conversation that I, I found very interesting. And you mentioned the imposter syndrome. And one, explain what that is for our listeners and then talk about how does that play out? How did that play out for you? So I mentioned early on in this that I never wanted to be known as my father's daughter. I think that was because of this thing I have, what I call imposter syndrome. It's, I never, I want to be known for me and I don't want to feel like I'm just being given something. And I feel like in my life, I never know if I'm actually earning it and doing it myself or especially being in a family business. If people are just telling me I'm doing good because I'm my father's daughter or your CEO. So your CEO, so people will just kind of look up to you and tell you you're doing something good to really know that I have the capability to do it for real. So I've always questioned that in a lot of the things I've done. And so early on in Vistage, I surely questioned Like, do I have the right to be here? Could I actually be a chair? Most chairs I know are at the end of their careers, not early in their careers like me. Um, What experience do I have to offer these business leaders? I only have one business, right? Like all these things that I could say to myself that tell me I'm not qualified or not okay. But at the end of the day, the reality is I bring what I uniquely bring and it's different than the others. And it's good and it's wonderful. And I actually am starting to finally be able to look past the imposter syndrome and feel really good about myself for what I'm putting together. Um, If I wasn't meant to be a chair, I wouldn't have built two groups this fast and I wouldn't be getting feedback from my members that I'm getting. They have no reason to toot my horn, I guess, as you would say. People in my own business used to, but there's no reason my members would. Um, They're paying to be there. It's different. I think of even the last statistic I saw was 70% 
of leaders at some point in their career have experienced the imposter syndrome. So it's very common. It's not talked about often, but it, it's certainly very common. Thank you for, for sharing that. Taylor, you're next. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious in your, your time with Vistage and without going into too many specifics, what are some of the, the business themes that you're, you're hearing today or some of the, the common challenges that are coming up as we hopefully start to exit the pandemic and things are picking up a little bit? Well, of course, the number one challenge that just about every business is facing right now is around talent, um, mm-hmm. attracting the right talent, hiring them, recruiting them, making sure they're in the right seats. You know, what do you do to retain them? So talent all around is by far the number one topic that just comes up, um, remote hybrid workforce. Supply chain issues are coming up a lot as well. So that's probably the second largest. There's a lot of other things just to the rapid pace of change of the world we're in. So just handling that rapid pace of change. And how do you handle your team? So this kind of goes to talent, but it's a separate issue. Burnout of teams because of the rapid pace of change to keep up with where we are and where we're going. And so on the topic of talent, like what what can you do? Because I know the, the market is crazy right now. And so other than just paying people some crazy salary, what, what else can you do to, to make sure people stay? So from a retention standpoint, I think there's a lot you can do to invest in your people and show them you care. If you're investing in their learning and their development, it shows a strong sign. So for example, I have a speaker next week at one of my meetings, and it's one that's open, like it's not a sensitive topic. And I've told my members, pick a key executive or someone, you know, in your team that's kind of in a leadership development and invite them. This is an open speaker. It's a great topic. And it's going to show them you care. You're investing a couple hours of their day to come to this. And they're getting to come to, to something that the CEO top secret goes to. And it doesn't cost you anything mm-hmm. other than a couple hours of their day. So there's lots of ways that, you know, you can invest in your people and show them you care. And I think that makes a huge difference. It doesn't have to be costly. It just has to be, you know, a time investment more than anything else. That's great feedback. Taylor, I've got one more question for Aviva, and then we'll move to our rapid fire questions. Aviva, I'm sure during your career with Pacesetter, you had good mistakes, bad mistakes. Best mistake you made as a CEO, your best mistake. So... I will call it a series of mistakes. And it's a lesson I've learned now that I'm a chair and I coach. I thought I understood what coaching was and I did a pretty decent job of it from what I learned on time. But I didn't ask enough questions as a CEO. I was too, I don't want to say dictatorial. That's probably not the right word because I was not a dictator in any sense of the mean. But I created too much direction versus really seeking the inputs in the way I really should have to get the best results. Being curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really needed to be more curious. Excellent. Well, Taylor, we've come to my favorite part of the uh, Small Business Matters podcast. I, I should mention our guest today is Aviva Womer. You're listening to the Small Business Matters podcast, the only podcast truly matters to small business. So Taylor, it's rapid fire. You're going to ask questions of Aviva. She's going to give you quick answers. You're going to try to stump her. She's going to look really good when she's done. I'm betting on her. <laughs> Why don't you, Taylor, start us off? Okay. Well, we'll start with an easy one. Aviva mentioned that uh, you're a, a big Braves fan. So who is your favorite all-time Braves player? Oh, um, probably Andrew Jones. 
Andrew Jones. Oh, good one. Center fielder. Yeah. All right. We'll move on then. As a Vistage coach, I assume you recommend resources and, and probably reading to memory of your, your members. What's, what's one book right now that you would recommend to our listeners? Well, since I just recommended a coaching session a little while ago, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Okay. And what's that about? Chris Voss is a former hostage negotiator teaching businesses uh, how to not compromise in negotiations. It's really cool. And I'd honestly recommend the audiobook version, even if you like to read, because he narrates it and he can talk and explain tone and things like that. And that. Excellent. What is uh, one thing that you do or you recommend doing to take a step back and, and just breathe or, or get away from business and, and recharge your batteries? I love to take long walks. Any specific time or place? No, honestly, it's just a, if I need to get away or to be thinking clearly or to overwhelmed, just go for a long walk. Excellent. Uh, this one is, is, I think, my dad's favorite. In the movie about you, which actress plays you? Huh. I am so not pop culture. I don't have a clue. <laughs> um, I'll go with Julia Roberts solely because people have told me many times I look like her. Good choice. Excellent. Yeah, <laughs> very good choice. And we'll get you out of here on this one since we've talked so much about leaders and, and guest speakers. Uh, who is your, your favorite leader at this moment? I don't have a favorite. There's too many great leaders out there that I learn from and pay attention to. I just... That is a hard thing to label one person. If you could sit down and have a glass of wine, a cup of coffee with a leader, who would it be? Um, Casey Graham of gravy. I would love to pick his brain just cause I'm finding watching him and following him on LinkedIn. Uh, and his newsletter is really fascinating right now. Excellent. Taylor, good questions, but Aviva had great answers for each of them. Congratulations. Uh, Aviva, I can't believe how fast our time has gone today. It's been great having you on the podcast. Before we close out, I know that some of our listeners will want to follow up with you. What's the easiest way for them to contact you? Um, the easiest is probably by email, and that's A W O L M as in Mary E R at empowerleadership.net. So A Wolmer, like my name at empowerleadership.net. So that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. And I want to remind our listeners of Aviva's podcast, Beyond the Comfort Zone. I think you'll find real value there. And if any of our listeners are considering a, a peer group experience, a Vistage group, I would certainly recommend that you reach out to Aviva. Taylor, again, I can't believe how fast our time went by. Any particular takeaways today from the podcast? Yeah, I think there was a lot of great takeaways. I was just really interested in Aviva's kind of progression into her CEO role and then taking the step into to Vistage and just the lessons she learned on, along the way. So thank you for sharing all that. Well, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. And, and for me, there are a couple. One, certainly the, the value, the importance of being part of a, a peer group, like a Vistage group. I loved her description of her role as the leader, that first and foremost, it's creating and communicating the vision for the company. Her insights on the uh, imposter syndrome, I think, were, were excellent. And the importance of being curious. I think that's something that many leaders forget about, willing to talk to employees, ask questions, and listen and be curious. Uh, great takeaway. So, Viva, thank you again for being with us. 
Friends, again, you've been listening to the Small Business Matters podcast, the only podcast that truly matters to small business. Our, our guest this evening is Viva Wilmer, Vistage Chair. I want to remind our listeners, if you're not already receiving the Small Business Matters newsletter, you can sign up for that on our website at www.smallbusinessmattersonline.com. Taylor, uh, we've got our conference coming up on Friday, May 20th. Very excited. Our listeners, if you've not yet registered for the Small Business Matters Conference, you can do that on our website as well. Taylor, what have I left out? Anything else in terms of announcements? I think you've covered it all. want to encourage our listeners to rate, review, and subscribe to the Small Business Matters podcast. Thank you for listening this afternoon. The Small Business Matters podcast, it is the only podcast that truly matters to small business. May each of you continue to pursue all that matters.